This podcast is brought to you by Backwards Hat Films and is recorded at Triptych Media Studios. Tonight we have a chance to say, yeah, you're right. We're too extreme. We're too wild. We're too out of control. We're too full of our own shnish. Or we have a chance to say, hey, fuck you, you're wrong. Fuck you, we're right. Because you have all made it to the dance. Because believe me, this is the dance. Hello again and welcome to another episode of Wrestling Open Forum. We have a special one today because if, I don't know if you can hear it on the microphone, but me and Dutch are in a car in, somewhere in South Carolina driving to Atlanta, Georgia for Evolve Wrestling where we are helping them do production tonight. And uh, we had an amazing show last night. I don't know when this episode will be up, but it's going to be a special if me and Dutch are on the road uh, a good bit, then we'll record these specials where we just talk about different things. We're going to talk about wrestling. It might not, it's not necessarily going to be the format that we usually use, the PTI format, but we're just going to sit and talk. We have a microphone. We have a H4N, so we wanted to record it and put it out there for everyone. So today, well, let me do introductions first. So my name is Patrick. Beside me in the passenger seat, the co-pilot, is Dutch. We are the host of Wrestling Open Forum. We stream live over at trypticmedia.com backslash WOF show every Tuesday starting at 7 p.m. So you can catch us every Tuesday at 7 p.m. live where we allow people to call in and be a part of the show. Very much like Pardon the Interruption uh, format, where we have five topics that we like to talk about. Anything from independent wrestling to WWE to uh, New Japan, no boundaries. Anything about anything that interests us about wrestling. But the beauty of it is that you can call in and you can choose what we talk about. And we love the unpredictable nature of that. And uh, that's the fun part of our show. But I apologize, this is not that kind of show today. So I'm going to hand the mic over to Dutch and let him take over, and he's going to tell you what we're going to do on this episode of the Wrestling Open Forum podcast. Hello, hello, and we are back. But not just so much back, but in a different style at that. So what we're going to do today is we're going to ask Pat. That's what this segment's going to be called, Ask Pat. So we're going to ask him anything from, like he was saying, WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, all the way to the Indies. We're going to get really personal. So if you're, yeah, so you might not hear him right now, but we do only have one microphone. We have one microphone and a tape recorder. So we're going to see how this goes. Whatever you want to call it. I don't, dude, I'm a 90s kid. It's what I say. So, all right. So the first question that I have for Pat, let's see. I think the first thing I want to ask you is, what is the craziest moment you've ever witnessed backstage at an indie show? Craziest moment I've ever... Um, I witnessed a bunch of them. Let's make sure we get detailed. Yes, I'll give you details. I'm not going to hold back. 
Um, oh, that's a hard one. I, th- I would say it was, I was at a show. We won't name the organization. I was at a show. It was in Charlotte. And uh, there was a professional wrestler by the name of Loki on this show. And I, I will preface this with the statement that I, I absolutely love Loki. He is a professional and he's a good guy. I've only met him a very limited amount of times, but every time I've ever met him, besides this story, he's been like very, uh, I mean, he's straightforward, but he's a nice guy, very polite, very uh, respectful. So I'll preface, the, I'll preface this story with that. So. Loki is wrestling another wrestler. Yeah. Well, it's not really. It's just what happened and what I, what I basically witnessed. So he wrestles this other wrestler who remain, who remain nameless. And uh, they I thought they have a decent match. I mean, I it wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't the worst. It was right in the middle. I mean, it was in the middle of the card. It wasn't a main event. It didn't need to be anything amazing. But uh, anybody that has knows or has watched Loki, he takes his profession very serious, and he wants his match quality to be top-notch all the time. So apparently during, I don't know if anything, I don't know if something happened during the match. I didn't, I don't know if there was a miscommunication, if somebody messed up a spot, then they covered it and I didn't catch it. This is way before I was as knowledgeable as I am now. But, uh... So you think you were thinking that it was a decent match? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, whenever the match was over, I didn't... Look, I didn't think that. Oh, that match was pretty horrible. That, that didn't cross my mind. It was like, oh, that was that was okay. Yes, it could have been better, but I mean, it wasn't. I I, I got my it money's worth. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a show stealer, but it wasn't like a match that you're like, oh, it was it was n- normal, like just a regular match. Yeah. And, but, apparently, low key did not like the match. And uh, right after he walked back through the curtain, he proceeded to throw three chairs up against the cement wall. And at this venue, they have very nice chairs that are very expensive. And then, like, cuss and yell and, like, blow gaskets repeatedly for a good 45 minutes. 45 minutes. And... Yeah, so to the point, it was almost like if you let an animal out of a cage, and like a Tasmanian devil, and it just goes crazy for forty-five minutes, and you and yeah, and you're just like, and you're just like, I don't know what to do, cause cause he kicks hard, so I don't want to go like I don't want to try, which I didn't know him. I wasn't gonna do. I wasn't gonna do anything, but I was judging by everyone else's face, like. It was almost like, uh, let's just let him get it out. Yeah. Like it's probably best if he goes outside. But the problem is, is the cur- these are curtains, like drapes, yeah. so the crowd can hear everything that's going on. Yeah. Oh, so they can. So throughout the entire arena, you can hear him yelling, cussing, and throwing stuff. And everybody's like, like, and everybody's like, what is going on? So there's supposed to be a match. Yeah. While the match was going on, this was happening. So, yeah, that might be – I'm sure I have better stories, but that's all I can think about right now. Well, we're going to come back because I know you got crazier too. I, I know you've seen some crazy stuff. So, right now, 
to this day, what would you say your favorite match of all time is? Let's do let's do WWE first. I know you're not a WWE fan as much as I am, but what would you say your favorite WWE match is? Austin Bret Hart. Hands down, the Iron Man? It was, I want to say it was WrestleMania 13. When, when, you, you don't know this, do you? Uh. When, what WrestleMania did Sean come down from that? It was not that one. It was Bret Hart was like 13. Uh, it was when 12. Got busted open. Was it, it 12? Was WrestleMania 13. Uh, WrestleMania 10. WrestleMania 10 was when Bret and Owen wrestled, correct? Yeah. So, I, I want to say WrestleMania 13. It was it was the pivotal point when Austin was the heel, Bret Hart was the face, and then Austin got busted open on the guardrail. Then Bret, everybody was booing Bret. Bret put him in the sharpshooter. He did the whole look up with blood going down his face and on his teeth. Oh, you're talking about the really iconic, uh, yeah, where he's where blood is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, even though I was a fan long before that, when I think about. From a WWE perspective, matches that I have seen that just blew my mind, and now especially knowing what I know about the wrestling business and storytelling, that match is is by far like one of the best stories ever told. With it, it was it's almost like a wrestling match mixed with cinema. Because yeah, because that, that's a nice way to put it. It's almost like you're watching a, you're watching two gladiators fight on on a fi- in a film. And one of them gets busted open and fights till he's de- fights till the death. Yeah. So you have re- so you you leave it having respect for both parties, like both people that were in the match, as opposed to what happens all the time now is one person just gets over and looks way better than the other person. I like that. That's a that's a good way to put it. Not only did you just tell us what your favorite match is, but why, but not in like so much of a why sense of like oh this is why, but more like. This is what it brought to me. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. Okay. Cringiest moment you've ever had on the indie circuit. Like scary or No, just like, oh, I can't look. This is just bad. Um and, and it doesn't have to be a match. It could be something in the back. It could have been a moment that you had with somebody before. It could have been something after. Like, it doesn't just have to be a match. It's pretty much anything that's happened on the indie circuit. Uh, God, man, you come with the hard-hitting questions. I try, dude. It's what I get paid for. I thought we were going to talk about my history. We will, <laughs> but we got to get the awkwardness yeah, out first. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, anybody, I'll put it. This is the only thing I can think of, which I'm sure there's been worse. There's been cringe moments where people – do moves that I like worry so much about until they hit them and everything. And if I find out they're okay, then I'm like, don't, don't, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh. And then they'll come back to the back of my, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it was great. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but uh, I think the first time I ever saw $5 Wrestling live, oh, like, no, 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 I love $5 Wrestling. When you, but I, you 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 will love five dollar wrestling when you understand what five dollar wrestling is about, which I can I can explain that to you if you want me to. Uh, Won't you tell the people my, that don't know your perception? perception? Yeah. 
because Jake's one of my good friends, and he's the one that organized and put all that. Him and Colt put all that together. More more, more Jake than Colt, but uh, five dollar wrestling was basically. I remember sitting, and I, and I don't want to take any words out of Jake's mouth, but this is my my interpretation of how it was created. If, you, if you're not aware, five dollar wrestling was something created by Jake Manning, who works for High Spots, and uh, Jake wanted to. Everybody on the independent circuit wanted wants to put on the best indie wrestling show ever. And I remember, I, if I'm not mistaken, we were on a d- ride to New York for NEW, and Jake was driving, and he goes, you know what? Everybody wants to put on the best indie show ever. What if I put on the worst indie show ever? Wait, he, <laughs> he said he wanted to put the worst show ever from his mouth. Yes. Straight from the horse's mouth. Five Dollar Wrestling was born with that with that statement, and but but what it that was the initial what's the most amazing about it if you know any of the guys that wrestle in Five Dollar Wrestling some of them are pricks, some of them are uh, genuine people but Freight Train is like Freight Train is the like biggest teddy bear I've ever met in my entire life the sweetest human being I've ever come across in my life. Oh my! Yeah, Charles is his. Oh, like I can't. I could do a whole podcast on telling you why Freight Train is the most amazing person walking God's green earth. I swear to God, I love him to death. And uh, what's so amazing about Five Dollar Wrestling? If you if you don't know, you can go to High Spots and watch and get Five Dollar Wrestling favorite, uh, uh, Five Dollar Wrestling uh, DVDs and the commentary. It was. It started out as a joke, with because commentary was Colt Cabana and Marty Derosa. Marty, Colt, everybody knows Colt Cabana. Marty Derosa is a comedian in Chicago that's one of Colt Cabana's friends. So it added a comedy aspect to it, and Colt's funny anyway. So they did a mystery science theater on bad matches, and that that's the whole concept, though, which is a brilliant concept from a comedy standpoint. But. What it turned into is it, it it developed a ridiculous following, and then you you break it down and you start to understand that these are guys that are from North Carolina and Virginia and West Virginia and a few other places, Tennessee, that in 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 retrospect would never get an opportunity like this, ever because they're not just not that not as talented as and athletic as other people, and they just haven't there and they never will be. I mean, it sounds mean, but it's the truth. And ever will be, uh, but they love wrestling, and they're gonna go to these little these little backwards independent shows and wrestle. Which is which if you, if if you have the opportunity to do something that you want to do in life, and you have the opportunity, no matter what scale it is, do it. But the fact that this thing built such a following, and started becoming like a phenomenon in the in, in wrestling business, even even to the point where WWE wrestlers would be watching it backstage, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, then you realize that what what once was a joke and something to try to just be funny turned into this unbelievable like collection of of people that are getting an opportunity that they would never have gotten before and then they're reaping the benefit of it by getting bookings like getting seen or getting known or getting identified out in the public and all this which is amazing like for for these sweet people that might not have, be the most athletic in the world, might not have the best physique in the world, 
they they're doing something that people are enjoying, and that's what it's all about: is doing something that people that entertain the, the fan base, or do it, that make people smile and laugh and have fun. And and the beauty of it is, that there's been shows that would draw fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty people of these five dollar wrestling shows. Not many, but they choose like thirty or forty. But the people there, it's not a joke. Like the people there appreciate the effort and love the people and love the characters and love the human beings that are five dollar wrestling. And that's why anybody that I mean, there's been notorious people that have shit on it and t- and said that it they it should never be done. It's killing the business and all this. No, because if if it, just like in in film, there's a place for comedic comedic entertainment yeah. in professional wrestling. That's the problem. Is there is Everybody's so uptight about how uh, how athletic and uh, what's the word I'm looking for serious wrestling is that they can't like drop their guard and uh, try to enter a comedic piece of wrestling into their life. Yeah, like we really like we're at a time now where it's almost needed in wrestling. Because, like, you watch wrestling, you watch uh, WWE, for instance, you watch the indie circuit, there's always that one match that it's like a comic relief match now. Like, um, the, how do I put it, Backlash was probably the closest one that I can remember where the fashion police fought the Usos, and I laughed so hard. But it was the most entertaining part of the card. It was great. It was good comic relief. And I think Tyler Breeze and Fandango pulled that off very well. But, But, yeah, that was just... That that's a good way to put it. They're, they do comic relief should be part of wrestling too. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah, agreed. But to finally answer your question after I went on that big old long rant about five dollar wrestling, which if you haven't seen it, you need to go to highspots.com and check it out. Um, yeah, highspots.com. <laughs> Use that mic. Uh, but. When I first saw it, that was a cringe of like, this is horrible, and what is going on? And until I did a little bit more research and understood it, and then after that, the second show, that was after the first show they ever did, second show I told Jake, I was like, I'm there. And I went to as many $5 wrestling shows as possible. And that was probably the funnest, some of the funnest professional wrestling shows I have ever been to in my entire life. So you will say that first, that was probably the and I was going to say, that is a good answer, sir. Insert applause here. And we'll probably add the effect, too. Don't worry. So, But, yeah, that was actually really good. Patrick, you brought a one gangster tear to my eye like you did Enzo and Cass. So, <laughs> thank you. Okay, let's see. Damn, I have to think of my next question because I was, like, really blown away by that. That was a good answer. Damn, now you're throwing the punches. I need a, I need a counteract here. Hmm. Well, we're in Spartanburg now, I believe. I think we're in Spartanburg, yeah. Spartanburg or Spartans? Spartanburg, whatever. Hey, this is where the Panthers train. No, oh, there's our next uh, topic. We're gonna here we go. You know what? We're gonna get a little footballish, but we're gonna still keep it wrestling. D'Angelo's debut with Moose, and I'm not sure who he fought, but Eli Drake. Um, we don't know who it is, but if we figure it out, we'll let you know. We don't really follow TNA like that. But 
anyways, I'll let you tell me what you think, and I will throw down what I think. But you go ahead, and I'll let you take this one. Uh, I mean, it's obviously it worked for Impact, GFW, whatever you call them now, and to the point of the Sports Center highlights got over a million views, which what the most amazing part about it to me is anytime something like this is done, whether it's Kevin Green in WCW or Reggie White in WCW or Lawrence Taylor in WWE Even or Carl Malone, Dennis Rodman, it's all done for publicity. You could care less if they can wrestle. You can care less. You could care less how good the wrestling is, because you know that a Sports Center, ESPN, especially with ESPN now, with like getting into the realm of professional wrestling and covering professional wrestling, it's it's all about the the publicity that you pick up and the me, the free media that you pull by paying these celebrities or these professional athletes, I should say, to come into come in to do a show. Or a, a spot on one of our in one of your big pay per views. The interesting part is D'Angelo Williams might have changed the game now, because D'Angelo Williams, for anybody who's not from the Charlotte area or a huge fan of D'Angelo Williams, I'm sure there are a few in Pittsburgh. Um, D'Angelo is a huge wrestling fan, and if you ever went to any show in Charlotte at Time Warner Cable Arena, which is Spectrum Center now, you would see D'Angelo Williams. Joel saw D'Angelo Williams at WrestleMania in Dallas. So D'Angelo Williams is a huge wrestling fan. So when you have a professional athlete who is a, who's a freak of nature, put him in a wrestling ring, and he is a huge wrestling fan, this is the first time it's ever been done. I don't know if – I'm sure Kevin Green was a wrestling fan. But Kevin Green came in because he was a friend of Mongo McMichael's. Reggie White came in because he was in Char. Uh, he was in Charlotte, I think, whenever that went down, wasn't yeah. he? And uh, Lawrence Taylor, I'm not sure the origin of that, of how he got involved. Uh, Rodman was just a friend of Hogan's. Carl Malone was a friend of Hogan's. So it's always been friends. Now, I mean, I don't know if Moose, our uh, our buddy of the show, Moose, set it up with with D'Angelo, but whoever did, now. You have a professional athlete who's had very limited professional training for a wrestling match come out and kill it. Kill it. No, it doesn't matter that he almost decapitated himself trying to put somebody through a table. He killed it. We killed it. But it, that wasn't even bad because that shows you that wrestling. See, this is this is this is the problem with fans today, like you, Dutch. Is the fact that the fact that you when he hits that table and goes off the front of it, you say, "Oh, he screwed up." It would have been it would have been flawless if he wouldn't have done that. You know what that you know what that show what that should show fans that that shit ain't easy. It's not easy. That you can't just jump off a table, jump off uh, some like a corner of a, a cabinet and put somebody through a table. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, this yeah. is real. This is real life. Yeah. If you if if you throw a punch in a real fight, do you think every one of them is going to land? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, the, yeah, there's going to be slip ups. You're in a battle. Sure, you do you think? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think that just because he's an athlete and 
and he set them on the table and he wants to jump off the top rope, that he's going to hit it perfect and go through the table? No. He's he's trying he's trying his best to put him through the table. In in the action of trying to put him through a table, he overshot, still hit him enough to pin him, but just didn't put him through the table. That's it's it adds a that's the thing about it. When there's when there's screw ups, there's screw ups, and then there's cover ups, or things that make wrestling real again, that make it unpredictable from a wrestling perspective, not from a booking perspective. So I, I didn't really mind, and I hated when people just started going in on, oh, well, he messed up the table spot. He messed up. No, he did. Yeah, yes, he didn't put him at the table. He was supposed to put him at the table. But that shows that there is a professional athlete who has played in the NFL for X amount of years that is one of the most physical people probably in that locker room. And he, he like, goes balls to the wall on trying to put him through that table, and that table holds up. The table might have been made in Japan. Because those tables are stiff. Yeah. You really got to throw them through. But I think the game has changed with D'Angelo, even though Carl Malone wasn't that bad when he wrestled. Carl Malone was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was, they kept it. Rodman was horrible. Rodman was uh, Lawrence Taylor was really good. Kevin Green was really good. Yeah. But how many people, like, have done, really yeah, good. what D'Angelo Williams did? And everything looked so crisp. Which I'm sure they walked through it and they did all that, but yeah, it's amazing. So that's that's my take on it. Is that I like the first thing I told Brian was we need to. I'm going to text Moose, see if he's got D'Angelo's contact information, and see if, the, if we can if we can get him in PWX. Well, you know, so I'm just going to say usually I don't uh, mark out, but it's D'Angelo Williams, baby. It's D Willie. Do I need to say it? I'm going to say it. No, let's not say that. Let's not say that. Let, let's hope it's not over. But I don't want to say I told you so. Not not so much Patrick, because Patrick agreed that no, Patrick didn't so much go against what I said. He was like, we'll see, but it could happen. But I, I think he agreed well because he's a fan. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he, you knew that, along with me, that he was probably going to prosper pretty well with this because of how much of a wrestling fan he was, how dedicated he was. And that's one of my things is why he was going to be so good is because he is so used to coordinating with other teammates. He's so good with coordinating with other people because he does it on a daily basis. He understands that it's not just about him. It's about how can I make that guy look good? If I can make that guy look good, then I look good. And if I look good, then he looks good. So everybody needs to look good at the end of the day. And I think D'Angelo Williams has an amazing grasp on how to make somebody look good because he's he's selfless. He is probably one of the most selfless men in the world, and I could say that because he really cares about a team when he's part of it. And so I think D. Willie has what it takes to be a professional wrestler if he wanted to because he, he, he murdered that, man. He did super well. I'm super proud of what D'Angelo did, and I think D'Angelo will always have a home in – professional wrestling after that one night and i bet you money after that match i bet moose was like boy that was awesome i bet they just they they partied after that so what i mean what about the gear though did you like the gear he was wearing i did i like that i mean you know he's gonna do the pink because that's his thing with the breast cancer 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like I, – what I liked about the match the most is – God, I need to hold this touch. What I liked about the match the most was the fact that they built to where he didn't know what he was doing at the beginning of it. Yeah. Like, that he almost – he was hustling him. And that's an interesting concept when – because I'm sure that everyone that didn't that doesn't know D'Angelo's fandom background, I, I'm almost positive that whenever he was kind of hesitant and like looking like he was lost in the first of the match, that they were like, "I, I knew this was going to happen." That happens with every athlete they ever bring in, like all this and that. And then they built that thing to where he just he jump, like he gets tagged, jumps over the rope, ducks that clothesline, and gives that first shoulder tackle. And it's, yeah, and then it's, like, balls to the wall from there, which was very, very, very well done. I'd have to say my favorite part was the uh, the backflip. That was beautiful. And the thing was, I thought he came in too low. Like, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, God, he's not going to land it. But he was, like, he flatlined it perfectly. And, I mean, flat-footed and everything. And I, I really thought he pulled that one off pretty well. So, I think the consensus is uh, success, like five billion stars for that guy. He's going to have all the gold stars on that one. But, uh, oh, D. Willie, if you want to wrestle for the indie circuit, PWX is where it's Come at. Home. Come home. Come home because guess what? We are we are a Charlotte brand. So, baby, baby, please, if I have to serenade you, I will. I will sing on this microphone right now. I'll make up a D'Angelo Williams song to PWX if I have to. But we're not here to promote PWX, which is our slogan on this show. <laughs> it's our slogan on this show. So, uh, okay, let's let's move to uh, maybe across the pond, but still in America at the same time. Um, G1 uh, just recently happened. G1 was a huge success. Beautiful. Um Let's talk about uh, JR for a little bit. I know there was a little uh, mixed reaction with him doing it with the G1 special. I know um, he kept getting the wrestlers mixed up. So this is this is a fact that he got the wrestlers mixed up. Yeah. He had a picture that was released of him holding a piece of paper with the wrestlers' pictures on there. Now, any wrestling fan that has been watching wrestling for the past 20 years knows who Jushin Thunder Liger is. And I saw that Jushin Thunder Liger was on that paper. And, I'm, and that's what I said, too. I was like, and I know people were giving him crap about that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he knows who Jushin is. Everybody knows Jushin. He kind of stands out. I mean, he has probably one of the most iconic mask, gear, setup, everything of any wrestler. But uh, I think Ishii was on there, too. Um, I think Cody was on there. But, I mean, like, of course, they're going to have the roster, like you said. But there were some of those people that were on there. But uh, so what do you feel? Uh, I feel, uh, to touch on the the picture, like the sheets of paper, I, I would assume that New Japan did that for JR. JR didn't ask for that. Yeah. So with – I, I will – I'll start this answer with – Jim Ross is, if not one of the best wrestling commentators in the history of professional wrestling. With that said, I believe that Jim Ross will always be able to call action 
but you can't bring in Jim Ross and expect from a company standpoint and from a fan standpoint, expect him to call other organizations like he called WWE because you have to understand when he was doing commentary for WWE, uh, he was in the talent relations. Yeah, I assume he had some input on the booking. Uh, he was getting paid very, very, very well, which even if he gets paid very well to do the New Japan stuff, it's still not as good as WWE was paying him. And he had a vested interest in the product and the success of the product. I'm not saying that to say that Jim Ross does not have a vested interest in the success of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, but I believe that he's at a point in his career now, and I don't want to speak for Jim Ross. This is just my perception, as I've said numerous times. I believe that he is past the point of like going into a promotion and saying, okay, I'm going to help this promotion succeed. Now he's back, now he's at the point where he's like, this is my job. I need to come in here. I need to call the action. So he's just like a he's. I mean, it's hard to understand if you don't if you don't have a concept of the difference. Mm -hmm. It's if you have someone. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, God, I can't think of a good example. Uh, for we'll use UFC for instance. Let's say you have Joe Rogan. Who is uh, a the one of the UFC play-by-play uh, -play people for their fights, comedian, and all that stuff. He's a comedian. Uh, he has a podcast, the Rogan Experience podcast, that's very, very successful. One of the biggest podcasts. Uh, he own. I want to say he own, like he does supplements, something with supplements. He. Uh, I'm a. I'm a real big comedy fan. So. Yeah, he has a workout, like a workout motivational thing. Yeah. So, like, he's one of those guys that does everything. They're, like, very, very motivated. Uh, and if he wants to do something, he's going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Super, like, I would. I only wish that I would have the chance to sit down and talk with Joe Rogan. But, yeah, yeah. So, the example that I'm going to use is what it is the day before, knock on wood, hopefully this does not happen because I love Joe Rogan. That, like Joe Rogan gets sick and is unable or loses his voice and is unable to do the UFC pay-per-view the next day. Absolutely. So when Joe Rogan calls UFC action, he's friends with Dana White. He has a vested interest. He's been with the UFC for years and years and has done this for years and years. He knows that he knows the fighters. He knows their game. He knows their their MMA style or their fighting styles. Whether they're whether they're uh, boxers whether they're like bjj guys yeah. he's talking about bjj guys like brazilian jiu-jitsu guys yeah. whether they're karate guys he knows all this so it, it, the way he calls the action is more intimate and more precise and more informative but if you say okay well and this is no this is no dig at uh ronaldo what's his name Mara Rinaldi, Rinaldo, Rinaldo. Yeah. He calls. He calls MMA. Does he call MMA fights or just boxing? Uh, like did before. He did. He was in. He was in somewhere in that game. Okay. So even though he might follow UFC, and might be a fan of UFC. 
he's not in this every month, yeah. like in it deep yeah. to know all these guys' backstory, to yeah. know all these guys' history, know all these guys' fight styles. And, well, he, he might know fight styles. He might know moves. He might know, like, holds. But he's going to give you a completely different experience than what Joe Rogan's going to give you. So when JR is coming in on a monthly basis or bi-monthly basis or once every three or four months, he is going to call the action that's going on in the ring because he doesn't know the backstory. He doesn't know the guys intimately. He doesn't know the guys' history. So you can't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling and expect JR to call that stuff like he used to call WWE back in the 90s and early 2000s. So take it for what it's worth. Be be happy that you are still allowed to hear JR call matches because that's a privilege in itself. Yeah. It's a privilege. Excuse me. I'm going to try that again. We may have to edit that. That was just really bad. But uh, <laughs> it's a privilege and an honor to uh, to witness Jr. speak. Honestly, when he's calling a match, it's it's beauty in its own. It's an art form. It really is. It's an art form. Like as you were talking about Jr. and what he's done for the WWE, I could sit here countless times, major moments that I've seen in the WWE slash WWF, and I'm like, Jr. was there for that. Like you hear his voice. That's the every, every, every moment that if you grew up, if you're like me and Dutch, which Dutch is younger than I am, but I'm like I'm in my thirties, early thirties. You're in your late. Are you in your mid to late twenties? Oh, late. You're in the late twenties. So if you grew up in that period and you watch professional wrestling from a WWE perspective in that period, even NWA before that, but that was before Jr. was as yeah as talented as he was in WWE. Uh, that's when he was still learning the ropes. But uh, if, if you sit back and think think of a moment when, like like we talked about, Austin Brett, yeah. uh, the Iron Man match, uh, losing his smile, losing the smile. I don't know. I don't know if he was there for that when Shawn Michaels lost his smile. That might have been that might have been King and uh, Vince. Uh, how about when Shelton Benjamin and Shawn Michaels fought? For the uh, tournament, for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, but any calling. any moment that that you can think of through the like mid to late nineties and early two thousands, you had one person narrating that moment, yeah. and that was Jim Ross. And that's overlooked so many times, and all so many times, and all the credit is given to the performers. But you need to understand that that's a that is a pivotal piece to building that moment. And I agree. I think that Jr. will always be cemented. He probably will be cemented as the greatest commentator to commentate for WWE. He's always going to be that guy. And especially as a duo with King, they did very well. Very well. That's like kudos. That's all. You know. But uh, in, the, in the same, which is a good segue, I thought he did very well when he was calling uh, Kenny Omega and Jay Lethal. Like, he seemed to be a huge Jay Lethal fan, and he expressed many, many times that he liked Omega, but he was really on the Jay Lethal train. I think uh, JR wants Lethal in NXT. I think that's what his uh, his thing is right now. But right now I'm enjoying what Jay Lethal's doing with uh, New Japan and going around the world. I think he's still with Ring of Honor, is he not? 
Yeah, yeah, he's with both. But uh, so that that segues to our our next topic. We have new U.S. champions. We have uh, I don't know if you didn't watch the G1 special. Uh, they held a tournament for the IWGP U.S. Championship, which uh, Kenny Omega won. And then uh, just recently, uh, I would say what three days ago maybe, AJ Styles beat Kevin Owens for the WWE United States Championship. So now, both Bullet Club leaders are U.S. champions. Ironic, coincidental. What What do you think? I think that people. I think people try to build stuff that really isn't. It could be, but I don't think – don't look into it more than you should because my theory behind it is the cream always rises to the top. So it's not necessarily, oh, they put, they made Kenny Omega U.S. champion. Let's put, let's put it on AJ because he was in the Bullet Club as well, which it could be. I mean, you never know in professional wrestling. But I think, once again, the cream always rises to the top. I think AJ Styles is the best professional wrestler in the world right now. And I think the second the second best professional wrestler in the world is Kenny Omega. And yeah. Second best Kenny Omega. Kenny the only the only reason that I pick AJ Styles over Kenny Omega, in my my opinion, as always, is because Omega has a unique Styles has a uh, a wrestling I'm trying to think of what's the word I'm looking for. I'm going to start this over. Styles has a wrestling style. That's hard to say because I say style. Yeah, style, style. He has a wrestling style that everyone can enjoy. Sure. And everyone can understand and everyone can. It's so smooth, uh, so precise, so snug that everyone is so believable. I like the snug. Yeah, so believable. So... That's why style. That's any. That's why if, even if you're not a wrestling fan, if you're a huge wrestling fan, if you're a wrestling fan of old, like old school NWA wrestling or new school WWE NXT style wrestling or New Japan, you like Styles because it it, it combines everything together, and just makes it, it. The best way to explain it is AJ Styles makes pro wrestling beautiful. Yes. With when what when he does it, Kenny Omega is more quirky, like. Yeah. He's quirky with his movements. He's quirky with his talking. He's quirky with his promos. He's quirky with his wrestling style, his move set. So when you when you choose to go that route, which if you've ever met Kenny, you know that that's the way he is as a person. So it fits him. So if he tried to do it any other way, it wouldn't work as well as that does. When you do that, you're going to have detractors and people that don't understand it. And when people don't understand something, they start shitting on it. So, anytime I, anybody, anytime anybody says, and I have good friends and people in the wrestling business who say, I don't understand Kenny Omega. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You don't have to understand him, but appreciate what he's done for New Japan Pro Wrestling from a state side. Even though he's Canadian, people, uh, people in the United States know him. What was that word that you said that they call him? I don't know. What the, the word that it or- Oh, green, no, I was about to say gringo, not gringo. <laughs> Uh, oh God, what was it? Gaijin, yeah, yeah. So, so like Omega, that that's that's why I say AJ Styles is number one. Omega is number two, because 
people that some because when you when you have uh, a style like that, people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. And there there's there's some gray area there, but that's that's the difference. That's why some people say I don't understand Omega. I don't like Omega. You know, and then some people will be some people will say I love Kenny Omega. I think Kenny Omega is amazing. Kenny Omega makes you believe every second that he's in the ring that that's who he is. That's that's the crazy thing is you, these people. Some sometimes these people are exactly like they are in the ring. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just a character. Yeah. And really yeah, yeah. I mean, but you have to. The the most amazing thing ever is that someone can walk through a curtain and turn into a character and stay in that character throughout everything until it's time to turn it off. So the way he looks, the way he moves, the way he talks, the way he sells, everything is in that character. Think about that. Think about it. Think about if you, so if people that are listening, if you're a fan of professional wrestling or a fan, I mean, this, this doesn't even just fall into professional wrestling. This falls into, this falls into people that are on Broadway. This falls into actors. This falls into musicians. Anybody with anybody that's for lack of a better term, a stage act, this falls into that, that you can go out. Someone can go out and become another person until they until it's time for them to cut it off. That that means that's amazing to me. And that's what you have to respect about Kenny Omega is from the second he walks through the curtain till the second he walks back through the curtain, he, you uh, believe who you see in the ring talking. Absolutely. And it might be him. I've never met Kenny Omega, but you might be him. We will one day. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah, please. I want to come down to the Charlotte-based promotion that we do not promote. But, 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 yeah, like, that's, that, that's amazing. And he has, that knee strike is the best strike in professional wrestling. V-trigger is hands down one of the best moves I have ever seen. And that's one of the things I want to talk about was, uh, I wanted to talk about that G1 special match that he had with Jay Lethal. Um, wow, that match was great. Did you, did you get to see it? It was amazing. One of the things that I liked is it looked like Jay Lethal was going to go for maybe a, or not, well, I don't think it was Jay Lethal. I think it was the other way around. I think Kenny Omega was going to go for a Rough Rider, and then Jay called him. No, it was Jay. He went to go for a Rough Rider, and uh, Kenny caught him and then spun him into a Blue Thunder Bomb. I can't remember who it was, but one of the other one grabbed the other and put him in a blue thunderbomb, and it was beautiful. I can't remember now, but I do remember that was a fantastic little spot there. Uh, the thing is about that match is the storytelling was amazing. It was so good. You have hands down two of the world's best wrestlers that can just step in the ring at any time. And I bet it's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, cool. I'm going to do this. And you know what? Let's just put on probably the best show of the night. And then um, uh, that same night, I wanted to touch on uh, Ishii and Sabre. That was a hell of a match. And I will say now, I'm a huge fan of Ishii. I thought he was great. They call him the Stone Pitbull, I believe. Man, that guy is great. 
spot? Did you see the table spot where Kenny Omega did the full Nelson suplex through the table offside of the ring? I did not. I did not see that. Was it pretty decent? No, I didn't get to see the table spot, but uh, I will say that G1 was a huge, huge success of uh, you know coming to America. I think it was a uh, pretty good, pretty good publicity. It's only the beginning. It is, dude. I hope they come to the East Coast because if they don't come to the East Coast anytime soon, next time they come back to America, I think we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to fly out to LA. And guess what? We might do a podcast out there. G1 Special Edition of Wrestling Open Forum. I like it. I don't know why I said that way, but whatever. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> so uh, where are we at? Greenville. We're in Greenville. I think we just went by Greenville. Maybe we're still in Greenville. I just like saying the word Greenville. Sounds pretty cool. If you don't know where that's at, it's in South Carolina. So any Greenville listeners, what up? How you doing? And... Uh, I think this is uh, about time for us to wrap it up of this uh, this episode. We got about, excuse me, we have 15 more minutes. So, uh, so we're going to ask Patrick a few more questions. We're going to lay off the topics. So, let's see. All right, Patrick. Best theme song. Ooh, like in independent wrestling or... I'll tell you who had the best theme song ever. There we go. Is uh, Kevin Owens or Kevin Steen's uh, Ring of Honor music. Okay. Ever. Ever. Like, you think about, okay, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. I think, yeah, hold the mic. So I guess he's going to look for the song, I guess, because uh, because I'm going to personally say... Well, I don't want to say what mine is just yet. No, it's not. Nope. Nope. No, that is a good one, though. Razor Ramon did have a good uh, theme song. No. I have a top three of... Uh, there's a top three that I have, but they're all made by artists. But then there's one non-artist one that's actually pretty decent. So I, I would have to say... Whoop, if you could hear that, that was Patrick hitting uh, the little bumpy th- bumpies by the road. I don't know what you would call that. All right, so I guess if you can hear this. Think about Kevin Owens, who, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with Kevin Steen from Ring of Honor. This was his entrance music for Ring of Honor, and tell me this does not fit his character because it's pretty much the same character. All right? That's very pretty. That's beautiful. I like it. And that actually fits Kevin Owens pretty well. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the beauty of it is entrance music should be an extension of your character because it's your first 
It's your first introduction to a live crowd before you walk through the curtain. That's the beauty of, uh, like, if you if you run a promotion and you have the ability to uh, train, I don't want to say train the crowd, but make the crowd uh, knowledgeable about person people's entrance music. That's why I'm not a fan of using generic entrance music. If you can get, give the guys a choice that they feel, and if if they're open to it, tell them I don't think that fits you. But if they pick music that they feel like fits their character, and then you uh, like make the crowd knowledgeable through the, their entrances through a few like months and months and months, the beauty of that is as soon as somebody's music hits and the crowd pops, that's when you know that you, you've done something because that becomes an extension of their character. Okay, so that's your favorite. Yeah. Give us uh, two more. What else, what else do you like? What, what would you put? And uh, I'm going to put over, well, I'll give you like WWE entrance music. Sure. Would be uh, Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect? Okay. Yes. I don't know why. I just what, feel like, I feel like that his music fit that character so well that, uh, I f- and like, it's crazy because like music, interest music nowadays is completely different. Yeah. So I think that like Nakamura's interest music. Okay. I love Nakamura's interest music. I, I love it. One reason I love it is because of his, his entrance and the full production of his entrance when he comes out. But second is that's beautiful music. Like if even even if you heard it like outside of professional wrestling, you'd be like, "This is pretty insanely awesome." Same thing with Bobby Roode's. Bobby Roode's is actually yeah, the glorious. glorious. It's just catchy, yeah. and that's the beauty. That's the, that's what makes it so. That's what makes whoever doing who's the, the I don't I know there's like two producers that do their music uh, for them, but those two guys are brilliant because what they're doing is they're taking entrance music, they're matching it to fit the characters. And they're making it catchy enough that people will download it yeah. and listen to it on a regular basis, yeah. which is not something that's been done. The only time they ever wanted people to download and listen on a regular basis is when they do like the wrestle jams. Yeah, the little—I don't know if that's what they're called, but the yeah, the CDs and yeah. the WWF the music. Oh, yeah. yeah. The music of. I mean, I guess I take. I mean, I can't give those guys credit because, like, when Motorhead did Triple H's interest music, yeah, like that's when you start getting bands in to do music. Yeah, yeah, line in the sand and uh. Yeah. But even uh, Edge's music. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Is that what you're gonna God. say? Who, you tell me, give me yours. And then the I'm gonna I'm gonna put over Caleb Conley for a second. Oh. Because Caleb Conley uh, in PWX used like some kind of uh, remix of. Uh, Damn, I just lost the name of the song. Yes. Uh, the same people that sing, uh, we'll come back to it. Okay. Uh, let me think about it. You, yeah, you tell us your th- your top three, and then I'll, I'll come back to uh, Caleb yeah, Caleb Connolly's. All right, so for my top three, um, it's going to have to be Edge, and I'm talking about the, uh, well, Edge is, yeah, like, with, with Metalingus by, uh, 
by Alter Bridge. Yeah. So where Patrick is singing right now, right right here, we're going to play the real song. <laughs> but uh so what were we, uh so yeah, so meddling is by Alter Bridge for Edge. But all, at the same time, it was uh, the Red Red Groovy by um, Rob Zombie also. He had two of the best songs, I believe, in wrestling history. Um, I think another song that was pretty well done was, um, or not well done, but before that wrestler was Burning My Light by uh, Mercy Drive for Randy Orton. That was actually really good. I thought that went very well with the character. And then I think um, third and yeah, yeah, legend killer, legend killer. And then I would have to say third and final. Now, see, I don't like that one. No, 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 no. I'm not. I mean, I like it. That's Rev Theory, I think, that does that one. Pretty sure it's Rev Theory that does Randy's new song. Or not new song, but his song now. Yeah, yeah, he still uses it. Um, third and final, probably uh, Benoit. Chris Benoit's um, song by Our Lady Peace. What was the name of the song? Aggression? Or no, Whatever. That's what it was. Whatever. It's Whatever by Our Lady Peace. Great song. Um, now, those were by three, but those are by bands. Yeah, but the one that sticks out to me that's not by a band that I really, really like I really like Rollins. Yeah, I really like Seth Rollins' song. No. No, I mean, it's it's probably like Jim Johnstone or whatever his name is, or Down Straight, the band, CFOs or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's actually pretty good. And I, I liked uh, SmackDown's theme song at one point in time, Black and Blue. Yeah. That, to me, was an amazing intro. I really hate that they got rid of that because uh, – I thought that went pretty well. I like when WWE gets like their band and they make these songs. Yeah. I like it. I, I think it fits it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I might be as a big music fan just as much as a wrestling fan. But when your company makes your own music, it's just well-branded. I, I like that. And I think re- I think music and wrestling have been hand-in-hand hand with each other for years. And like you said, that when that song hits, you automatically know what you're going to get. You know the character that's coming out. And I think your music should represent that character, that gimmick, whenever they step through that curtain. Yeah, that song that I'm talking about here, I think it's Angels. Is that what it's called? Angels and Airways? I don't think I know the song. Well, we're going to find that song, and then we'll probably talk about it. He's going through it in his head right now. Sing Bad Wolf? Is this like a, a rock band? Heck no. I don't think I know what you're talking about. Now, was this when he was first with uh, PWX or? Oh, AWOL Nation. Ah, yeah, yeah, AWOL Nation, okay. Now, when did he use that? Uh, oh, Sale. Yeah, that's a good song. But it, was a, it was a remix. It had like, like, almost like a uh, dubstep beat behind it. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. Well, so this was our very first road podcast that we've done here at uh, Wrestling Open Forum. Of course, if you want to check us out, you know... Yeah, on the road. We could put on the road dot dot again on the second one. (laughs) Headlock. Flip. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to pass it over to Patrick because he's usually the better one at at the at closing this bad boy up. So uh, this was Dutch. Appreciate you uh, being on the road with us. Have a good one. All right, guys, once again, thank you for listening. This is another episode of the Wrestling Open Forum, and we will release this probably like on – I might release it tomorrow, so Monday. It's going to be we, – whenever we're on the road and we have some time, we'll – record these just of us talking and getting away from the usual stuff and talking about topics so you guys can get to know us a little bit better. And uh, if you have any questions for for us that you'd like for us to cover either on our regularly scheduled uh, shows, I guess. I was going to say podcast, but it's, like, it's weird to call it a podcast because we do it live. But, yeah, well, this is the roadcast. But we do it live, once again, every Tuesday uh, trypticmedia.com backslash WOF show. I almost forgot. I'm not trying, I'm trying not to wreck our car. Uh, we, once again, we didn't thank them at the beginning, but we'll thank them now. We have a partner in pwponderings.com who, uh, gives their followers and the people that check out their website one episode a month of our, our wrestling open forum podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Open Forum Show, and we will follow you back. So not only will we gain a follower, you will too. We need as many followers as possible right now. And, yeah, so we will be back tomorrow. So I'm going to put this up today. Or t- I'm going to put this up Monday so I can say on the podcast tomorrow we'll be live, 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, go to triptychmedia.com backslash WOF show to find out the phone number uh, we open the phone lines at about 710 and you can call in give us a topic to talk about anything professional wrestling we don't discriminate you can be controversial it can be uh, a important topic a popular topic or it can be something that you just want to talk about in professional wrestling or give your opinion we welcome it all because we like to meet our fans and talk to our fans and let you be a part of uh, the experience that is the wrestling open forum podcast so yeah and we're going to try to get to Atlanta and uh, get this Evolve thing down. So we had a show in Charlotte last night with PWX and Evolve, and they were amazing. Good houses, and, yeah, everybody was happy. And I will say this. This is the first time I've got to work with Evolve, uh, Gabe and Sal, in a long time, and they have been nothing but amazing this weekend, and, and I assume they'll be nothing but amazing today, tonight in Atlanta. We work with them, so kudos to them, and go follow Evolve wrestling like they need it they're really popular and uh we want to thank flow slam for uh hosting our pay-per-view last night our live stream so yeah things are going good and dutch is experiencing his first real professional wrestling weekend working the working the road well no that's not you you walk to a building dutch this is driving this is driving well you did drive sorry But that was, yeah, I did. Sorry. 
But yeah. So, all right. It's time for us to get off here. We've kept you guys long enough. Thank you again. Uh, I guess leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, because because apparently that that affects where people can search for us or something like that. I don't understand all that stuff. I just know we're on iTunes. So uh, subscribe to our show on iTunes. You'll get it to your iPhone if you're smart. Every Wednesday at the midnight, like 12 o'clock Wednesday morning, we're there. Pop right up. You can listen to it on your way into work on Wednesday morning. So, yes, yeah, so subscribe to us. Leave a review. Tell the, tell, tell the world that we're awesome or we suck. Like I said, yeah, we just, we just, we just want reviews. That's all we want. So, all right, guys. Thank you for listening again. Uh, this is a, this was the Wrestling Open Forum uh, on the road podcast, and we'll call it Ask Patrick because Dutch talked the most. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening.